By now, you probably know that our host and producer reads a lot of books. But wouldn't you really like to know what books he likes to give away to CEOs? In this episode, we're going to learn one of the titles he's probably given away the most. Hey, I don't even know the title yet. The book, We Love Gifting to Leaders, that's coming up next on CFO Bookshelf. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. The show starts in three, two, one. And now, here are your hosts, Drew and Mark. Mr. Producer, you really have me curious. What's the book? Well, for, uh, b- by the way, thank you, Drew. Good, good, good to see you, too. Uh, let me help you out a little. I think... The year was maybe 2014, 2015. So I knew this kid who had been playing varsity baseball and he eventually quit. And then a friend of his said, Hey, you're, you're fast. Why don't you try out for the track team? And so that kid, he did. And then now I don't, again, I don't know all the facts. So, but I think I'm close. The coach said, you are officially our decathlon guy. And I guess because they didn't have one. So anyway, this kid, I may have my number off, but I think he finished 11th in the nation year one. And he'd never picked up a pole vault before. And then one year later, he's the national champion. So uh, let's back up. Since I knew this kid... I had bought a few sports psychology books while he was still playing baseball because I thought they could help him, but I have no idea if he ever read them, Drew. But one title especially captured my attention. He was the St. Louis Cardinals, Major League Baseball, sports psychologist from 06 to 2011. And by the way, first year he's there, they win the they win the World Series. They win it again his last year, 2011. So then as I got that book, I looked at the back cover and saw he had a business book too. So I bought it and loved it. Okay, well, so this is sounding pretty vaguely familiar. Well, it should because you and I went to see Dr. Jason Selk speak in person. I definitely remember that, yes. Okay, so... I loved how he got started. Do, do you remember the story about how he got hired with the St. Louis Cardinals? Do, do you remember that, Drew? You're going to have to refresh me on that. I don't remember. Okay, so so they're down in the clubhouse. So this is under uh, under the stadium. And Walt Jockety, who is the uh, general manager at the time, he introduces him to Tony La Russa in his office. And so if you don't know much about Major League Baseball, Tony is just, he's very cerebral uh, he's a no-nonsense, he's he's probably not going to be the guy you go to for, hey, something funny, tell me a joke. He's just not that guy, very stoic. So he walks in Tony LaRusse's office, and Tony doesn't even, well, he did stand up. Uh, he had his jersey on, he had his, he had his uh, socks on, the stirrup socks, but he was wearing boxer shorts, <laughs> according to Jason uh, Selk. And then Tony says... You've got 10 minutes because I, what we find out later is Tony did not know about this. This is just kind of sprung on him. So they get into the clubhouse 
and and Jason's not prepared for that. He thought he had already been hired because he'd signed a contract. He just thought, hey, this is a done deal. So he's in this circle. There's like 20 plus players. You got all the coaches, you got some clubhouse people. So there may be close to 40 people. So they're all huddled around this big circle. And Jason's like, I, I've got to come up with 10 minutes of material. So he thinks, you know what? I'll share one of my segments, one of my tools on mental toughness. So he gets done. And this famous pitching coach, very famous, he may be, I don't know if he's in the Hall of Fame or not. Dave Duncan says, hey, can you give us another 10 minutes? So now Jason... <laughs> He's already intimidated by Tony LaRusso. <laughs> yeah. Remember? So he looks over to Tony and Tony just nods. And I can see Tony doing it right now with this 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 scowl on his on his face. Well, Jason goes into the next tool on 10 minute toughness, and it's it's 10 minutes. So he gets done and he sees a player raise his hand. It's oh, by the way, it's Scott Rowland, who just was nominated yes. to the Major oh, yeah. League Baseball Hall of Fame, I think a week or so ago. So he says, Hey, can you do another 10 minutes? And I would just love to know what Tony LaRusse is thinking, you idiot, shut up. So Jason looks over to Tony. He's like, Yep. He he nods. So he does another 10 minutes. And then when he finishes that 10 minutes, uh, Chris Carpenter stands up and he, I believe was the, I think he was an MVP. He won some award the year before very famous, uh, St. Louis Cardinal. He stands up and says, this is what it'll take to win. And so Jason, he got the job, even though I think he already had it, but again, they won the world series that year. And then five years later. I love that story. Uh, so tell me what, what is this book? Well, the name of the book is executive toughness. It's executive t- toughness. Okay. And why, why do you like to give it away? Well, that's an interesting question. Actually, there's part of me, I'm not sure. I do know when I first, when I first read it, I, I loved it. And so when I love a book, I'll buy about a box and I'll just start giving away. And every time that particular book, I gave it away. It's like, man, I really like this book. And one of my favorite topics is financial transparency. I love that topic. We even talked to one of the top physical therapists in the United States. Uh, when I gave him a, a copy, by the way, he was on the show uh, a few months ago. When I gave him a copy, he loved it so much. He he called me and said, Mark, I gave a copy to every single team member because he has multiple, uh, he has, he has multiple clinics uh, in, in his portfolio. And I just thought that was so cool but people like it. It makes for an easy gift. It's easy to read. And and the, the the tools in that book, I happen to use them almost daily. So how do you want to do this? Well, I thought what we do, again, I'm not a sports psychologist. I'm I'm not I'm not that guy down by the river, uh, the motivational speaker. I, <laughs> I'm I'm just a customer of this book who likes it, who's applied it. So what I thought I'd do is, again, this is good stuff. There are three big bullet points. There are more than that in the book, but I want to take three of the big ideas in the book. And I thought we'd, I thought we'd uh, go that approach. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. So uh, what do you have first for us? Okay, number one, tool number one. And again, it's not the first tool in the book. 
It's the first one I just want to mention. Tool number one is process versus product goals. Do you know the difference? You're going to have to refresh me on this one. Okay. I'm glad. See, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you're asking because, again, I read this book back in 14, and I Drew, I don't think I'd ever had heard right. that delineation. Now, I, I do like uh, sports maybe too much. Uh, I enjoy listening very closely to interviews with coaches. I want to know what they're saying, and I'm trying to understand what are they really saying. But if you ever listen to an interview with Nick Saban, and I'm all, I, this is like every other interview, he'll mention the word process. Well, Bill Belichick will say process, follow the process. Every, every time, yep. Tony LaRussa almost always, you know, play a full nine. You know, we can't control the outcome, but we can control what? The process. The process. And maybe it's maybe it's true that every sports psychologist, they go to a class where they teach you, okay, here's the difference between a product, here's a process. And I guess they all learn that, and so that's what they teach us to us to us people who listen to them, who look up to them. So, so again, I I read this back in 2014, and I had not heard that difference. So here's what a product goal is: it's the target you want. It's that simple. It's the target you want. Makes sense. Okay. The process goal is what it will take to achieve that goal. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So the process goal is what you're doing. What I mean, it takes up the bulk of your time. The product goal is the end goal, it, basically, what you're getting out of that process. Precisely. And this resonates for me because in my day job, I work, I mean, I, most of my time is with chief executive officers and, and even their senior level managers, when I get to work with them, Sometimes they are so hyper-focused on the outcome, the result, which is, by the way, we can't control it with very little emphasis on the process, the tools to get there. And I know as, as a former athlete yourself, you can probably relate to that. It's, it's like telling the, the, the kicker in a football game. So in the United States, we have the Super Bowl coming up in about two weeks and take a kicker who has got to be the loneliest job in sports. <laughs> yes. Would you rather have a coach say, you idiot, just kick it between the uprights or, okay, keep your eye on the ball with the placeholder. Make sure your hips are, are a certain way. Get your shoulders a certain way. Take one step. You see what I'm saying? What kind of a coach would you rather have? Definitely the the latter there. And by the way, I have I have no idea how to coach uh, kicking, uh, so I'm I'm trying I'm, I'm improvising. Improvising, yes, exactly. I want to I want to put this into I want to make this more tangible. By the way, it's it's not a coincidence. In 2014, I lost 50 pounds, and I need to lose 50 pounds right now. I'm working on it. But I lost 50 pounds in 2014, and I kept it off for over five years. And I, what I did, I, I'm a visual person. So I do, a lot of my notes are in mind maps, not all of them. 
I'm a, I do a lot of frameworks. So a lot of stuff I do is very visual. I, I can't, I just, it's just the way I am. I can't help it. So when I was decided to lose 50 pounds and again, I'd re- this book helped me and I didn't know it would help me. And by the way, I normally don't like what I call quote unquote self-help books. Um, it's just, it's just, it's, I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm just yeah. Mr. Analytical, show me state, uh, skeptic of everything, <laughs> yes. but this book was very helpful. And even though the book did not tell you, Oh, draw this, this, this mind map, I drew a circle and I put an objective and the objective said, look good, feel good. And then I put a number under it. See, in my world, I always start with the objective first, then the target. Now, if I have a target, it's like, okay, now what's the objective? Because I don't want to just have a target for no reason. So look good, feel good, 165 pounds. And then I had three spokes going off to the right. So at the very top spoke, I had food, workout, sleep. So with food, I thought that's going to be a process goal Again, the product goal, 165, process goal, food, about 1,800 calories a day for 12 weeks, working out. So I'd work out every single day, might take one day off. Now, I was obsessed back then. I worked out every day. Now, it, it, I, I went, remember, yeah. I went every other day, lift uh, cardio, lift cardio, and then the sleep. I stunk at, but the goal was, well, eight would have been the right number, but I was shooting for six and a half to seven at a, I mean, it's like, I've got to get that. I mean, I've got, that's the minimum. So those were my, and by the way, the sleep is either a yes or no. So every one of those, those three process goals, I could either check them off or put a number. So they're still very quantifiable. So I could not control the outcome, the 165, but what could I control? Those processes. The process. Yep. Again, this is so applicable to every area of life in business, personal, ball field, nonprofit, profit, retail, IT. I don't care what situation you're in. Product go, process go. I think it's one of the most brilliant tools we can apply in this whole world of executive toughness. Oh, by the way, what does this have to do with this executive toughness? Uh, everything. Well, <laughs> that's an easy way of saying it. <laughs> I, well, here's my opinion. It is so easy. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm. I, this is just plain old me, Missouri Mark speaking. It's so easy to become negative. And because when you start getting those negative thoughts in your head, it's hard to get them out. So if you've got a target, uh, take a work situation, you've not hit a certain goal, maybe you haven't finished something on time. I mean, just your losses are stocking. I really do enjoy getting to work with sales uh, team members because it can be so emotional. Well, with executive toughness, this whole concept of process goals you're starting to take away emotion. Now, you don't want to take away the good emotion like the adrenaline rush, the dopamine rush. Those right, are good right. things. But when you're discouraged, when you're in despair, when you're in depression, all those D words, what happens with the process is now you're replacing it with the action and analysis. 
Right. We'll get into that. that, That's what, that's why this is called executive toughness. It's not about Drew, get better. Drew, just just suck it up. That's not tough. This is all about, okay, let's put this down on paper. Let's, let's, let's check some things off. Let's define the process. So it's, you're getting the emotion, the dad, the bad stuff out of your head as you're going, as you're developing this executive toughness mindset. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Oh, you're fine. I, I interrupted you. Uh, so I, I really love this, uh, especially as a, uh, the CEO role, when you are in the mindset of focusing on those process goals and not just hyper-focusing on the product goals, it's going to result in not only a better environment that you're working with. And I know from experience working with for other people, when they are in the right mindset and focusing on those process goals, they're going to go back to you even when you're not having success. Did you follow the process? You know, Are you doing these things? And it's a way more positive environment because you know that you are you have something that you can control. You can't always control that outcome, just like you you experienced uh, with your uh, with your fitness uh, and what you've seen in in your uh, in your work. Uh, by the way, the guy who is speaking has about was it about six percent body fat on you, so you kind of <laughs> okay. know what you're talking nice. about. Yeah, uh, you do work in sales, uh, right? Yes, uh, that is and, correct. And so th- this is relatable, right? This is extremely relatable. And it's funny because just in the last couple of weeks, my boss has been kind of talking with me specifically about, did we follow the process? You may have struck out on this, but did you follow the process? So it's a, it's a really positive environment, positive way to, to look at being in sales for me. He's, he's reading off <laughs> yes. my mind, which yes. by the way, I do know him. A pretty good guy. I think I may give him one of these copies uh, of the book. Uh, so I, I know you're going to ask me this question. You're going to ask me yes. how many product right. goals should we exactly. have? Exactly. How, how many are there? Okay. Now, Jason does not get do a deep dive into this because we have a business life. Uh, we have a personal life. We have relationships. Uh, there are things we do uh, in all walks of life. So I'm going to, let's just pretend like we're just talking about us, the individual, us, you know, maybe we're a CEO. Maybe we're a, an FP&A professional. Uh, may, maybe we're a, maybe we're a, a, an in-house attorney. May, maybe we're some individual who has the freedom to set goals for ourselves inside a company or a nonprofit. In that context, Jason recommends three, and that makes sense. Can it be two? Yes. Can it be just one? Yes. He never says anything about having more than three. He just says three, but he does talk about three and three. What he means by that is three product goals, and every product goal has three process goals. I completely agree with that. It wasn't by accident that I picked three process goals for my product goal, losing 50 pounds. Uh, and by the way, I did hit that. I, I, that happened. I, wow. I lost about 34 pounds in 90 days and kept it off. And then I eventually, I think it was within six months, I, I, I was down 50 pounds. And I was healthy. I never could get under 10% body fat. That, that, I, I hate that, that. Is, that is tough for, a, a, for someone an, north, north of the 50 range. For, for, <laughs> for an ugly old uh, fat dude. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But, so, uh, that, yeah. so Very helpful, though. Again, Jason says three yep. and, and, and three. Um, Want to hit number two? 
Yeah. What, yeah. What is number two on your list? So number two and, and before, and I need to get my glasses. I want to read a passage from another book that I also give to others. The name of the book is called flawless, flawless execution by James Murphy. Uh, he is a former eight year F 15 uh, fighter pilot. And in chapter 14, he writes, survive, improve, win. How do you like those three words? Survive, perfect, perfect. improve, win. And so you can relate to that. So he goes on to say, and, and I'm sorry if I'm quote, this is a short paragraph, but it's short sentences. So he says, first, let's get the lay of the land. Pilots, pilots fly their mission, come back to base, land, taxi to the shelters, and get out of the jets. Mission over? Nope, not a chance. While it's fresh in their heads, they walk straight to the briefing room and tear apart the mission. They immediately begin their debrief. So I bring up the story by James Murphy because the tool number two I want to emphasize is what's called the self-performance analysis. And you're supposed to do it daily, according to Jason Selk. Question number one, what is being done well? Question number two, what needs to be improved? Question number three, how will improvements be made? Do you agree, Drew, or do you disagree? This is is perfect. And I see this working in really literally anything that you're doing. And I come from a sports background and this is just perfect. And I also, I'm a big believer, and I think you are too, in the self-managed business. And that doesn't mean we don't need coaches and mentors and consultants. In, the, in my opinion, every CEO should be the best consultant in the company. They should be the best coach of coaches in the business. They should be the best mentor of mentors uh, in the business. These three questions work for someone in a leadership position, but they also, I think, where Jason's coming from, these are the questions you apply to yourself, self-management. And I, this is now, this is opinion. I think this part that this, this, this debrief or this self-performance now, I think it's so easy to skip this and just do this in our heads. Do, do you agree with that? I definitely agree with that. And I know I've done it myself. You know, I get some, I done, I get done with something. I just want to move on, go to the next thing, especially if it didn't go well. I want to try to forget it and therefore skipping this process. And by the way, it's recommended, write it down on paper. And I would I would get a moleskin. I would get some little booklet that you could just write this down. I would have your two or three product goals up front and then your process goals. And then every single day on a sheet of paper, answer those three questions. What else? What else? Oh, I do have one other suggestion. I tell you, no, <laughs> no, go, yeah, I do have another. I okay. do have, I do have another suggestion. One more suggestion. What do you have for me? So, a couple of years ago, we had the author of my favorite, well, one of my favorite books. It's American Icon. The author is Bryce Hoffman, and many probably don't realize he's written another book called Red Teaming. I, I, I didn't know what to expect because I, because I, when I told Bryce, hey, can we do your book? 
American icon. He said, well, can, can we talk about my red teaming book too? So we split the difference. We spent maybe 40 minutes talking about red teaming and the rest about American icon. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I still won and, and he, he, I think he enjoyed it. I think he enjoyed it so much. He went off to start his own podcast and he's doing very, I, I am enjoying it by the way. In the book, in Red Teaming, he talks about pre-mortems. Pre- that's a new, that's a completely new concept to me. And pre-mortems. by the way, it's in another book we talked about last year with the guest, Amazon. I think they still do this. Uh, they will write a press release before they start on a new project. And that press release will basically state, here's what's going to happen. So the whole concept of pre-mortem is there is one problem with the with the debrief. Again, you're not saying they're not important, but you do it after the event. Well, what do you do before the event? You do a pre-mortem. Yeah, yes. So doesn't that make sense? So the pre-mortem is, is basically saying, here's what's going to happen. It could be you visualizing or it could just be say, here is what the intended, not just the intended, you can say this will happen in three months or six months, whatever that time frame uh, for that goal is. And by the way, uh, James Murphy does write about this in Flawless Execution. He happens to call it, he doesn't call it a pre-mortem. He calls it just a brief. He doesn't even call it a pre-brief. It's just brief. And I, he has a he has a line in the book. It's It's excellent. He calls it, we execute the brief. I love that. So now, question, question for you. Yes. How many CEOs do you actually see doing this? This is because this is something that you don't really hear about. Well, I could go through my portfolio right now <laughs> and, and I would say this in front of their faces. Uh, Jeff, if you're listening, Jeff does not do this. Okay. And he, and he, Call he, them would, out. he would say, Mark, that's a really good idea. Um, right. So I, I just, here's the issue. And by, but again, I'm not throwing bricks at them. We get busy, don't we? So everything oh, yes. we're talking about is being intentional. I mean, yes. being very. So I love your question, but the answer is it's very, lot, very few. Yeah. It is well, very few. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor, Sage Weiss. This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. Well, I love this. I'm going to be writing these things down. But what is what is last on your list here? Okay, last on my list, uh, it goes back to product and process goals. And by the way, we've left something out. Now, when I went through my mind map process, I already read the entire book. And I also had something else uh, to my advantage. Uh, and, and I'll mention this other person in a minute. But in this last tool, Jason has what's called the RSF. It's Relentless relentless Solution Focus. He needs, 
he probably needs a Jim Collins marketer, something that's a little bit more sticky, <laughs> something that you possibly associate a picture with. But again, he calls it relentless solution focus. I think the words are good. The word relentless is there is not a better word uh, to use, but it's a solutions focus thinking toward improvement. Explain a little more on that. So when I lost those 50 pounds, again, you heard me talk about my mind map, but what I did was on the process goals, for example, food, even though I knew uh, my, my goal was to eat, I think 1800 calories per day. So you know that I sometimes eat like a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. Now, and and when, when my food habits are really good, I eat like a seven-year-old. But a lot of times, so the problem was I had these process goals, but I had, I had resistance. I had obstacles. So my obstacle with food is there's a lot of stuff I like to eat I shouldn't eat. So instead of just going to 1,800 calories a day, I took every I took every obstacle and I wrote down a little strategy. So I just thought, and no one coached me on it. I just thought, I'll, I can figure this out on my own. So for for food, I just said, okay, I'm going to take out one bad thing in my diet every week, just one thing a week. Now, is it is getting into week four, week five? Is like, okay, I could do maybe three things, but I just started out strategy number one: get rid of this. And when I got to about month number two, I would replace, instead of just subtracting, then I'd start adding some stuff that was good, you know, for me, something that was uh, healthy slash calorie dense uh, for working out. I didn't have, I mean, I was working 70 hours a week. I didn't have time to go to a gym. So one of my requirements was I had to work out at home. That was one of my strategies. And by the way, I'm a process guy. Again, I'm not, it's just the way I'm wired. So it's, it's, I, yeah, it was, it was factory installed in me that I have to have a system. So I needed a system because I couldn't just wing it. So those were my obstacles, but I had those little strategies to help me out. And so Jason's calling this, yeah, relentless solutions focus. See, again, he needs a marker to give him a, you can't simpler, even see it because it's, it's hard to pick out, right? But w- one other thing I wanted to mention, Kurt Lewin. Kurt Lewin, if, if, if you are a consultant, I think every consultant went to this college where you go to become a consultant and they teach force field analysis. I, I'm here to tell you, a lot. some of the McKinsey frameworks, some of the BCG frameworks, some of the Accenture frameworks – a lot of the big time frameworks can all be traced back to Kurt Lewin's force field analysis force field, force field analysis is here's my current situation. Here's my desired situation. Here's my gap. And, and what they're, I mean, that's not, that's not force field analysis, but it's in the ballpark, but with force field analysis, again, you're looking at driving forces, resisting forces for a goal that you have. So I had that in the back of my head with trying to deal with these obstacles. And to me, obstacles are good. Obstacles give birth to strategies. Obstacles are the raw material. If there's no obstacles, there's no strategy. 
So to me, they give birth. They're the raw material for great strategy. So I just want to mention Kurt Lewin's uh, name. Do a Google search if he, if it, the name doesn't ring a bell. If force field analysis, I think that's the the technical term for what I'm describing. Do do a Google search. You can look that up uh, yourself. But again, I observe a lot of young managers that I work with who they get stuck. Even if they do have process goals, they get stuck. And there's managers that are not even helping the people they work with to come up with strategies to overcome these obstacles. To me, it's getting to where it's, it's, it's muscle memory, common sense, but for so many people, it's not. Does that all make sense? Yeah. Yes. Right. So I want to go back and review these three tools. There are others in the book. Is that correct? Oh, the, exactly. The, but these are just the three I wanted to highlight. Okay. And so here's what I wrote down. We have product versus process goals. Right. We have the daily personal debrief, but Jason calls it the self-performance analysis. Yep. And last, pairing obstacles with strategies. Jason calls this relentless solutions focus. Like you said, maybe a, maybe a different name, but... Uh, that's what Jason calls this. And, and, and again, that word relentless is good because it's it's ongoing, relentless. It's it's ongoing. So strategies that may work yesterday or a month ago, they 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 have to be either tweaked or tossed out. So it's on it's ongoing. So I have a final question for you, Drew. Okay. Yes. So again, uh, we've already asked this question once, so I'm going to ask it again because you better get it right. What do the what do these tools have to do again with mental or executive toughness? I I think the the simplest way of answering this is if you're wanting to succeed in the business world and I again I am very new in, in this and so my answer take it with a grain of salt but if you're not willing to look at the process of what you're doing and not just looking at that end goal looking at the process and figuring out how you can break that down how you can look at the obstacles that you're dealing with and take them one at a time and grow through that process of approaching those obstacles, overcoming them, the things that we've talked about here. And again, don't just focus on that end goal. It's it's a good thing. Obviously, businesses are there to, to succeed, to make money, all of that stuff. But the process is super important. I can't stress that enough. So just my my layman's way of looking at it. That's, those are my thoughts coming out of my head. Well, I can one up your laymanship. <laughs> okay. uh, my Chris Farley down by the river <laughs> okay. answer response to my own question is it's replacing negative emotions, negative, I mean, destructive negative emotions with positive, constructive, actionable actions that are controllable. And then you can start replacing that negative stuff between uh, the two ears. And, and I, the reason I love this is because I have worked with some leaders. It's, you got, you just suck it up. You got to be tough. You got to be mental. Well, what does that really, what does that mean? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I can't just flip a switch uh, as much as I would like to. Now, if you're on a sinking ship, you ha- there are times where you do turn the switch on and it just, it comes on. But uh, like in the work environment where we're all volunteers, uh, again, replacing the negativity inside the mind with something that's actionable, that is controllable, uh, 
to me, that's where the toughness comes into uh, comes into to play. Last question. You think you're going to read this book? Are you going to buy it for me? <laughs> no, no. Uh, jokes aside, I definitely want to get this book because uh, right up my alley, uh, especially being in the business world now. And, uh, you know, being a former athlete, the the 10 Minute Toughness book, I remember reading that. It was great. I would love to, to take a look at kind of more of a business side of of something that Jason's read or written that is. So yes, the answer is yes. You are listening to CFO Bookshelf, lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now back to our host, Mark Gandy. When we stopped recording, the first thing Drew said, Mark, I need two copies. Done. Again, the name of the book, Executive Toughness by Dr. Jason Selk. The other two books I recommend, in addition to this one, is Principled Centered Leadership by Stephen Covey. And that's the first time, I think, I think it's the first time I'd ever seen the reference to force field analysis. And it is an excellent book. And the other book I also recommend to read with Jason's book is Flawless Execution by James uh, Murphy. Three great books, but the main one, Executive Toughness, Dr. Jason Selk, whom will probably be on the show uh, sometime uh, later this year. We need to call this a wrap. I'm Mark Gandy for CFO Bookshelf. (laughs) 